Hey everyone, it's Brian Underwood. I have a super um, exciting um, opportunity today to just have a conversation with Mitch Newman. Um, I call him Dr. Mitch because uh, I love the way he operates. No, in all seriousness, uh, he came into my life about five years ago. He's brought a ton of value and perspective to me personally and also to our brand, our company, um, and our community. Uh, along with a lot of wisdom, you know, he has a background of helping, uh, counsel, uh, you know, people through getting out of their own way. Um, and that's, you know, actually what he went to school for. And so, uh, he's been on TV shows as a celebrity, uh, guest, um, and he's here with us as the America's guest, uh, Mr. Mitch Newman, but it's awesome. We're just going to talk. Uh, one of the topics that I really want to talk about is entrepreneurs. I think a lot of times, both pre- professionally and personally, everyone has the tendency sometimes to self-sabotage. And this is something we created an entire curriculum uh, for. And I know Mitch is super passionate about people's ability to buy into their own bullshit or buy into their own story. Um, you know, and how do you break that? You know, and it's what we call the drama triangle. Uh, but it's about blaming, shaming, justifying, case building to our own narrative. And uh, he just has some really interesting perspectives about, you know, really, uh, you know, not only where we're at, but leading through a higher level of consciousness. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, with that being said, uh, Dr. Mitch Newman. So one of the things I want to talk about today that's been like on my heart. Uh, yeah, yeah. for a little while. And I mean, I yeah. think it's something that we have not talked enough about within our community this year. We've just, sure. uh, you know, there's always some balls that drop, uh, but is, and I think that, that this relates to both personally for me. Um, and I think everyone that listens, I think it also relates very much to business. And, you know, I mean, if you're in business, your personal views, your personal confidence, your personal self-image, your personal uh, traumas, your personal uh, stuff always is going to come into business, you know, if you're operating or you're doing business. And so- Which I love, by the way. What's that? Which I love when when your personal stuff comes in because you get to, you get to grow and heal both personally and professionally in this industry. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing that I've worked on a lot, and it's constant work, I'm continuing to work on it, Um, you know, and the older you get, obviously, you have a lot more perspective, because the older you get, the more perspective and the more situations that you have gone through, wisdom, right? Um, There you go. You think, oh, those those guys with wisdom don't know what they're talking about. And then when you, then once you experience it, and you have the wisdom, you're like, oh, nothing can replace it. And, um you know, but, but one of the things that I listened to a podcast from a guy that I, I really like, I've, I've, uh, uh, for 20 years, I've, I've followed his work. Uh, you might know Sharma. Um, no, I don't uh, know Sharma. Yeah. He, he's really good. You, you'd like him. Uh, I remember okay. one, one time there was a website I, I wanted, um, your potential and he owned it. And that's how I like caught on. He's, he's Robin Sharma. Uh, he has a book called the leader that has no title. Um, hmm. He's really good. You'd like him. Check out his okay. podcast. Yeah, I will. He has a podcast that is like one to two minutes. And it's like little to snippets. Um, but anyway, he had one and it just said, be a victim or be a leader, but you can't be both. And this is coming at a time in my life where I'm looking, I'm constantly trying to look in the mirror and saying, okay, well, how am I addressing different situations that pop up? And um, 
But I think it's so relevant. We talk about this and we developed a little training around it uh, at LCD, you know, and talking about the drama triangle and, you know, the victim mentality um, and the ability for people to go case build. And I've, I've found this over and over and over and over again. And uh, partly I want to talk to you today because I want to gain some perspective. And I know that you have uh, a lot of wisdom and experience in academia uh, knowledge around this topic. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I want to do it, but I think it serves so many people in business and in life is um, because, you know, one of the things that I've always used, and this isn't religious, I don't care what anybody's religious uh, beliefs are. You know, I mm. think that as long as you're congruent to your beliefs and your faith, I respect you, but I, I, I'm going to use this, this old wise book called the Bible. Right. And a lot of times I get personally, uh, there, I have a personal trigger when, people take narratives out of the Bible to serve, or they take stories out of the Bible to serve their narrative. And I call it case building. And, and what I'm finding today, even in the business world is, is people are finding other quote unquote authorities, whether it's a book, you know, and using this book to, to build a narrative or, or not this book specifically, but I'm just saying like, I have books, right? I have books. Everybody's got books. Um, but I think in business, a lot of times people do this um, to let themselves off the hook, you know, and I, I you use the word consciousness a lot is my goal or hope through this would be people just uh, we could give them tools to make them self check, you know, am I being a leader through this, this situation or am I being a victim? Am I reinforcing someone's narrative or am I helping listen and maybe redirect, you know, their thoughts um, you know, uh, so I don't even know the question. I just kind of wanted to have a back and forth with you. Uh, we talk about it as the drama triangle and it's so yeah. easy in today's world to, to fall into the drama and with all the protests that are going on around the very sensitive situation, some people are using that to reinforce that they've been a victim, right? There's other people that are using it as an opportunity to, you know, be the, the, the victor or the rescuer or, uh, you know, those would be the three roles in the drama triangle. But uh, yeah. love for just thoughts on, uh, you know, how you've seen uh, what, you know, Sharma would say uh, the truth in, you know, do you believe that you can be a victim and be a leader or be a winner? Or Well, I think there, there, there are two opposing points of view. Um, and I think it, a lot of times is uh, being the victim allows people the excuse not to lead. Um, it gives people permission to follow an old narrative, an old story, an old set of beliefs that allow them to hide, allow them to not have to show up, not have to commit. Um, you know, the, the, the question I think that for a lot of people that I find that I see kind of on a really on a daily basis is the, in many ways, the the lack of willingness or desire to see themselves as the common denominator in a lot of the insanity and a lot of the drama that's created in and around their lives. Seeing themselves as, as being in any way somehow responsible. And the interesting thing about drama, you know, we were talking about it before, you know, is that sometimes drama, people get drawn in. They don't necessarily, their intention is not to get drawn in. But sometimes the drama of somebody sharing a story can be an opening for relatability. 
you know, I know how you feel. I remember when this happened to me. And then it kind of just, what happens is it takes on a life of its own. It starts to spiral. So I think the person who, who really wants to lead, who really wants to transcend the challenges that they've had in the past and be able to say, here's where we are, here's where we're going, uh, or here's where I'm going and I'd like you to go with me, um, are people who can create the relatability in the moment. Yes, I understand how that must feel. I was in a similar situation when I was at such and such, and I totally get it. And here's how I felt at the time. And here's what I experienced. And here's what I learned as a result of that, that I've learned to apply here. And I want to encourage you to do that. So, you know, we talk about it as LCD is the turn, right? Is the, is to create empathy, to create um, an opportunity for relatability, because that's critical to everything. I want to know that you're like me and, and, and we've gone through the same things. And then also encouraging somebody to lift themselves out of that story because it's very, it's very addictive. It's very, and, and so much of it from what I've studied is, is chemical based. You know, we talk, you and I are both, uh, you know, uh, really enjoy listening to Dr. Joe. Right. And he talks about the, the chemical addiction, the amount of chemicals that get dropped into the body when we start to go down a path and down a spiral. And it becomes the, where the body literally becomes addicted to that. And so it's an interesting dynamic where, where people can kind of fall into that. Um, but I think it really comes down to from, from a place of, you know, conscious leadership, if that's what someone desires, is the ability to create empathy and relatability. And here's a way out or here's what I've learned. And I think, you know, it's less about, we have a tendency in society to diagnose people. We have a tendency in society to label people. Mm. And if we can kind of, I, I believe, is if we can move away from that and, and lift people up to double down, triple down on what they're good at by giving them a piece of wisdom, by giving them a suggestion, by encouraging them to take a different level of action, that, that movement often can displace and break apart the old story that somebody's running around the drama of why this always seems to happen to me. Is it that do you relate to that at all? No, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, I was, I, when you're talking, it, it spurs inspiration in, in my head or things that I'm feeling, um, you know, both consciously and unconsciously. Uh, but you said a couple of things that I think is important when you said chemical addiction when spiraling out of control and it, brought me to like one of the human needs that I think everyone has a need to fulfill. And that is the needed for significance. And sometimes when you spiral things out of control and you can get people to reinforce or to support you uh, through different stories, you know, um, and I would call that case building. Uh, sometimes it, it lights up that significance and makes you feel more significant where you might not have felt significant. And that's the thing that, that I think, um, when you were just saying that, that's what I was relating to. And, and you said we have a tendency, and I think everyone does, like uh, uh, judging, which I would say is labeling or diagnosing, right? It's like, who are we, you know, how self-righteous is someone to diagnose someone else as a narcissist? Like, who are we to do that, right? Or how self-righteous are we to diagnose someone as uh, a loser or diagnose someone as a... Um, I don't know. Give me a word. I can't even think of a word. 
Well, it, it's it's labeling in in any capacity creates the limitation and also contributes to the story and the belief, the old belief. Well, the reason you're like this is because of this. You know, you're this or you're that. Or, you know, I see it all the time and and I've seen it in medical diagnosis where I've had clients who would come to me and we'd be working about here's where we are and how do we move forward. And then they'd start seeing someone else or they'd start seeing a psychiatrist and they start getting these labels, right? And then all of a sudden the labels become, well, the reason I'm like this is because I'm this. And I'm <laughs> okay, um, how about here's where we are and here's where we're going? Like the, the labels are only going to hold you in a place and help to fortify old beliefs, old thoughts, old ideas, old experiences. Well, you know, it's like the guy who, who, who gives a guy a hundred dollars and he says, look, you know, you, you, it, you, you, in the past, you've been challenged around spending money. I'm going to give you a hundred dollars and I'm going to see you in two weeks. I want you to give me the same hundred dollars back. And he sees the guy in two weeks and he says, you know, where's the hundred dollars? He goes, well, I told you I have an issue with money, you know, like, so people, people start to rely on those stories and all those stories do. And all of those experiences, all that creates is for people is more of the same, which is a safety factor for many people to just create status quo. And I think what, one of the things that inspires me so much about Proven and what we get to do with LCD and other things and the messages as a company is to help people highlight that, that the challenges that you're experiencing, like how you do prove it is how you do your life and how you do your life is how you do prove it. So if you're willing to take a, a, a deeper look at that from a place of ownership and not, not blame, and blame goes, you know, others and yourself. Because when you when you point the finger at someone else, there's always three fingers pointing back at you, right? So it's getting out of blame completely and getting into ownership and gone and going, oh, being the observer, being your best observer. Oh, I'm noticing. That's, that's, in, that's interesting, Mitch. I am noticing that I do this, this, and this in these types of situations. Great. So what do you want to do with it? Are you Because if we keep doing this, we're going to keep getting this. But if we're willing to do something different, we can only win. We already know that the default is status quo. We already know that that it's going to be status quo. It's going to probably include some sabotage. It's going to include some messiness, and it's going to be very familiar to you. We already know that. So can we suspend our old beliefs to create some new beliefs and just move forward in a way that we get to show up differently because we're stepping into the unknown and doing things that we've never done before? to get something we've never gotten before. That's to me is that, is that growth and that pattern. Takes courage. I think like, let's not make any mistake about it. I mean, yeah. human nature, we want to stay with something that's familiar, no matter how even destructive it is to our own lives. Yeah. If, if it's familiar to us, it's comfortable, or that's what you meant by status quo. Yeah. But it takes courage to shift. It takes courage to do something that you haven't done before. It takes courage to try on or give something a different meaning than you've given it before. Well, and, you know, and I, what I like to point out to people is, listen, you've created mastery. And they're like, well, what do you mean? My, my life sucks or this is horrible. I keep doing the same thing. I said, no, it's mastery. Mastery works in, in, in both directions. You've mastered creating this status quo, this familiarity. You've mastered it. Congratulate yourself. It, 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 what it tells you that if you think a certain way and feel a certain way and take a certain level of action, you're going to create the result that you set out to create. 
and you set out to create, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. You did it. Congratulations. Like people get Academy Awards for that. I wish I could give you one. And I have done it right at, at proven events where I've given out the little Academy Awards. So you've already proven that you've created mastery in that area. Can we, can we shift the way we think? Can we shift the way we believe just as an experiment? Can we shift the way we think? Can we shift the way we believe? Can we take some action we've never taken before and see if we can't create mastery in a place that actually does serve where it is that you say you want to go? Do it as an experiment. <laughs> You've already mastered the other, right? So what would you say, um, you know, for this, let's call it a spiral or uh, falling into this drama triangle, what are some signs where people can actually, you know, create a technique to stop themselves once they become aware? Like what are maybe some languages? What are some behaviors? What are uh, that someone could self-identify? Well, I always, what I like to do is I like to, <laughs> I always recommend people don't do this in public because you'll get arrested or you'll get committed. But I will literally, when I'm by myself and I realize that my brain is starting to run stories, I will literally <laughs> look at myself if I'm sitting next to myself and I'll literally go, so that's the story you want to go with? Like I literally take myself out of, of identifying myself as my thoughts and myself as my feelings. And I just take a moment and just observe it. Other times I realize that I'm like to be, you know, use an example. The other night, Wendy and I were watching the debate and there was a pause in a moment. And I just kind of like took a moment to check in with myself. And I realized I was incredibly anxious and anxious for me. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my arms. And I realized that I'm shallow breathing. So I got up and I walked away. So having the awareness that when you're in an uncomfortable situation to just pause for a second, take a deep breath. And it is what's happening now happening inside of me more chemical related. That's creating an uneasiness that, that is no longer serving me that I don't want to be a part of. Right. And then removing myself from it. The other thing I, I do is in the morning when I'm, when I'm meditating is focusing on uh, because this, I think, is the biggest challenge that most people face, and they don't necessarily maybe identify it in the words I'm about to use. And it's true, I believe, which is, you know, people say, well, what's your biggest challenge every day? And I say, well, my biggest challenge every day is staying in my loving. That's my biggest challenge. So I know that what I have to do. That's why is, you got a dog. That's why you got a puppy. That's why I got a puppy that wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. <laughs> But like, it's important, I think, for us to like, stay grounded and stay present. So it, whether it's meditation, whether it's gratitude, you know, whether it's checking in on your breathing at different points in the time, I set reminders on my phone to go off. What are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? Are you breathing right now? All of that stuff, because I think it's important, because we're going to get triggered throughout the day. So if, if I know that I'm going to get triggered throughout the day. I know that it's going to happen. I know that, that, you know, my kids are going to do something. They're going to say something. They're going to do something that doesn't make any sense in any solar system in the universe. And I have to like check in, I have to check in. So to me, it's the challenge to, to, to stay in my loving. And, you know, I, I, and I, I learned this a long time ago because I, 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 I heard an interview one time with a Tibetan monk who was, who was held prisoner by uh, the Chinese 
and for many, many years. And he was tortured for years and years and years and finally freed. And, and they said, did you, did you lose anything in the experience of being in prison like that? And he said, I was so fascinated. He said, I almost lost compassion for my captors. So I think in this time, when we're looking to run a business, when we're trying to figure out like how to do it within the confines of a pandemic and a political climate that's uncertain and uneasy and a world climate that's up in the air, that I think it's important that for each of us that we find ways during the course of the day to check in and to stay in our loving so that we can make clearer sound and more sound decisions about things. So we're making decisions based on en energy that's more logical than emotional. Cause I've never made, you know, a really smart decision when I'm charged well, now, when I'm triggered. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've made the, the comment before, which I thought was a great mm -hmm. conversation that uh, I am right now replaying in my mind a lot, just um, to check in with myself. Right. And that is, uh, you know, if you go looking for, if you go looking for logic, um, when someone's operating out of, of, uh, emotion, emotion, or yeah. someone's operating out of, uh, self-righteousness, or I think you said self-righteousness. If someone's operating out of righteousness, don't go looking for logic because you won't find it. Don't go looking for someone rational if they're operating out of righteousness. And, even I think like moral authority, I, I, I'm seeing that more and more, especially through the climate that we're in that, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of like the person that says I'm loyal the most uh, usually is the first person to leave, <laughs> to leave like a fight, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm loyal. A uh, business partner told me that a long time ago. Be careful of the ones that, that try to convince you how loyal they are. Or Well, it always starts with, well, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the, or, or like, the, you know, the one that, that, that talks about, uh, it's like the the pointing of the finger, right? The one that that's that's usually accusing the most is projecting yeah. projecting the most, you know. So yep. the one that's saying that um, there's a Shakespeare there's a Shakespeare quote that's uh, from I think it's from Hamlet that says, "He who doth protest too much." No, but but explain what what that means. I mean, I know what it means to me, um, you know, because it, it has me second guess myself. Okay, am I doing this because of of Am I making this decision because of how I feel about it or I'm making the decision because it's a smart decision, right? Um, or well, here's language that you would understand. He, you know, the best defense is a strong offense, right? The best way to, the best way to deny what it is that you're being accused of is to accuse other people of it. That's how, that's how it works. That's how people get out of taking ownership and get out of taking responsibility. They right. make it about, they, they literally flip it. They literally project their stuff onto other people. And, and listen, sometimes I'm aware that even in the cleanest possible place that I may be doing it. And I'll say to somebody that I'm talking to say, listen, I may be projecting here and here's what's coming forward for me. Cause I, I may be on and some I, level. And I'll be on, you know, I, I will be honest right now. I'm not going to say I'm always going to be honest, but right now I'm going but to be this honest. Way, hold on this. And we're recording this part, right? Yes, okay. we are recording is I've, I've noticed that a lot about you. Uh, when you're talking with me, your projection 
just like on age and physicality and stuff, you're talking about me. Is that what you're talking about? Like that's really you project? No, it, well, it, I, I know I'm, I'm heading you off at the pass because I know it's coming. <laughs> so let me get it in now. <laughs> it's to kill or to be killed with this, right? It's that's like, it. That's okay. it. Um, all right. What else do we want to talk? I want to get a keto up. Hold on. Um, so one of the things that I think is important is how does all this stuff, um, some people, they might not have a level of awareness or they might not have a uh, connection with some of this language, but what does all this mean to someone that's trying to move forward in business? Forget about life for a second, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that you're going to, one's going to mirror the other, I think. Um, but well, it's, just, it's I don't know. I, you know, people used to say to me, you know, when I say I work with people on this level, they say personally and professionally, I say, what's the difference? I don't see a difference. The, the one difference I do see is what people perceive is at stake. That's the difference. So I, I'll tell you, I think this is important too. Uh, this is something I just recorded yesterday for a podcast on something that yeah. I inspired to do, but the importance of peer group, choosing the right partners and team, especially when it comes to both personal and business counsel. I think a lot of people seek counsel, but they don't really know the outcome of what they're seeking counsel for. And sometimes subconsciously they're looking for reinforcement. So they go to the person that's kind of what we're saying, reinforce their story or case build. Um, and then I had a talk last week, uh, weekend with a group in Orlando, Florida. One of them was asking someone to be their mentor. And I said, well, why do you want them to be your mentor? And they really didn't know. Their perception was this person had what they wanted. And I said, but that person doesn't have the success in this business. They wanted them to mentor them in the business. And I said, there's a big difference when you seek counsel from a business perspective. Anyone can coach you or give you perspective based on their experience. But I, I use the difference. And there's a difference in a coach and a mentor. You know, anyone yes. can be a coach as long as they know your outcomes. But for me, now, this is my definition a mentor is someone that has walked through the minefield that I'm going through so they can help me avoid some of the pitfalls. Right. Um, but I think that even at a deeper level, you know, it's the power of peer group. It's who you're listening to, who's the echoes in your ear, who's the voices, you know, and what, what are you seeking from that council? And um, I, I, as I grow older, the more and more I realize this has had an impact on my life since I was little all the way through, even from times where I was toxic, from times that I was, you know, um, operating 100% out of ego. And I reflect back to those times, I look at the people that I was listening to the most. So I don't know what your thoughts are, the importance of choosing the right partners, team, especially when it comes to both personal counsel and business counsel. Well, I like, I think you hit it. It's like, well, what are, what are the outcomes? Like, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I have, I have somebody that I know who's a relationship, calls himself a relationship expert, hasn't been in a relationship in 15 years. (laughs) That's why they're an expert. (laughs) So, so I go, well, you could be a single expert or you could be, take the position of, I haven't been in a relationship for 15 years and here's what I'm learning about myself. That would be valuable for somebody. There's no value there from, from my perspective of how you're going. I, I wouldn't take financial advice from somebody who's never had two nickels to rub together and is, doesn't know anything about it. Uh, you you want to seek that kind of, uh, you want to look for people who have accomplished what you want to accomplish and hopefully in a way that you also want to accomplish it. Not that you can't learn from somebody who 
you know, might be different than you. There's always something for us to learn. And sometimes those but, learning lessons are even stronger, right? Of, of learning yeah. what not to do or yeah, how and you I not want to be because you see the polarity. Like when you're around someone that's evil and then you get around someone, there is polarity in the world, I think. Yeah, well, and I find it's really fascinating because what I've noticed over the past 20 years is how many times I've asked somebody what they want and they, they tell me what they don't want. And I have to interrupt them. Interesting. I said, well, I, I didn't ask you what you don't want. Because what you're doing is you're leading with what you're afraid of. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, and we all, we all are afraid of something, no matter how macho we are, unless we just don't, what do they call it? Unless you're able to move back and forth between the masculine and the feminine. Who, me? <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like, no, but that's spirit. But, but that's it's real. Like it, it's it's yeah. it's not real, but it's a real thought. But it's a thought that you can change. However, everyone has fears. I think. Well, I always say that that you know, the way I've learned to navigate it, and actually, this little Mitchism came to me when I was facilitating a ropes course training, um, and watching people, knowing that they were strapped in, knowing that they were harnessed in knowing that the wire that they were standing on could hold a Buick, knowing that if they fall, they would fall an inch before they, somebody would be able to catch them. And then the brain thinking, no, I'm going to die. And I think this is the, the, the thing that I've learned is, is being able to distinguish between the fear that protects you and the fear that prevents you. Mm. Because, because it's often not, we're not able to do that. So you could say, Hey, Mitch, or, you could say to somebody who, let's say, somebody who's behind the scenes, who likes to be behind the scenes, say, hey, listen, do me a favor, go on stage in front of the 1,500, 2,000 people in the audience and just talk for five minutes about this. We you do that because I just got to run and go to the bathroom real quick, right? And they're I've like, done, ah. I've done that to you before. Yes, but I'm not afraid of that. You did do that. So, but that to that person in their mind can go to a place where the chemicals that get released, the breathing that takes place, the anxiety that takes over their body can feel like death, like actual death, even though they wouldn't die by standing on a stage. But their, but their, but their body and their brain can't tell the difference between the two. That, to them, that it's as real as if they stepped off the side of a curb in front of a bus. So the more we can differentiate between the fear that protects us and the fear that uh, prevents us, the more we can start addressing how ways in which we can step into, because it's always the things that, that, that prevent us are the things that ultimately will shift our business. The things that are people most afraid of in the business are the things that they really need to do. And I love when people catch themselves and they go, I'm really afraid to do this. And I know this is exactly what I have to do. <laughs> like, that's cool to me when I hear somebody say that. I think that's powerful. Yeah. And I, I don't know the book it came from or the excerpt, but it's just, a, it's a replay in my brain. Um, when I hear things like this and it's like, you know, every day do something that you're scared to do. Like every day, make that a point that that's an exercise or that's a goal. Uh, challenge yourself to do one thing you're scared of. Um, yeah. Which is kind of what you're saying. It's building a muscle of, of being courageous and, and just operating out of unconsciousness and the fact that, um, you know, you're growing through that process, right? Like and it might've been like, I don't know if it was like a Max Lucado book or a, John Maxwell book, but I remember it mm -hmm. vividly. Well, and, and I learned this a long time ago with a coach of mine where 
and and you'll hear this a lot. I hear this a lot from proven promoters all the time. They go, well, it just doesn't feel like it's me. It just doesn't feel right. And I'm like, well, you know, you say that often and let's separate it out and say, well, what would be, what if you, if you didn't start with how something would make me feel and you started with the outcome, if you actually did it, what your life would look like or how it could be different. So then you go to the end in mind and you get somebody, somebody gets excited about, well, if I did that, then I'd be able to do this and I'd be able to go here and I'd be able to buy this and I'd be able to experience this. And they start to get excited. I said, okay, start with that. Start with the outcome in mind and then create a new feeling around the experience as a result. But a lot of people shortchange themselves as a promoter <clears throat> when they go, yeah, that just doesn't feel like me. It just that just doesn't feel good. And they trap themselves because they're they're learning, and this is the balance. They're learning how to uh, be okay with their feelings, but but now they're also leading with their feelings all the time, and that can become a trap. So right. starting with the outcome of of what you can achieve, what you can experience as a result of taking the action, and I did it. I actually took a job that didn't feel right to me because the outcome provided me a lot and afforded me a lot of things that I really did want in my habit in my life. And so I took it, didn't know anything about it. I was in an industry where I had no clue whatsoever and ended up exceeding my own expectations in the field. And those are the people I work with because I didn't have the experience. I actually doubled down on what I did know. And while people who had the experience were getting fired, I was getting promoted because I just came at it from a different place. And then every time I would get caught up in the anxiety of it, because it'll happen from time to time, it's okay, is I would go back, why did I do this? Why did I take this job? You know, what's the outcome? What has it afforded me to do? What, what are the experiences that I'm now able to have as a result of doing it and kind of moving myself out of that feeling place so that I can actually realize in the achievement of it, what else and how else it benefits me in my life. And I think Part of our goal, I think, as, as within leadership at Prove It is to help people and support people in seeing that and then helping create a path for them to be able to transcend that. And that becomes the growth. So what's um, in closing, what is, uh, and I appreciate your time. I know that we've been on for like an hour, but what is, uh, what's one thing that you're right now moving towards that scares you? to grow through? Ooh. I think it's, um, I, I would say it's the commitment that I'm making to um, that next level of growth as a leader and creating, you know, uh, in doing the podcast that I'm doing, um, in doing all of the writing that I'm doing, like I have all the content, but it's like now that there is a team behind me, like it's it's like in play. It's like that to me is is a challenge to me every day because it there there is a, a an added level of responsibility of showing up and of delivering and being consistent that I'm excited about and I'm aware that sometimes when I get up in the morning I have some anxiety around it. Awesome. Yeah. What's one thing that you've learned just through working with people um, through uh, Prove It in the last four years? Uh, the magic is found in the unknown. 
And the more I'm willing to step in the unknown and the more I see other people step in the unknown, like every single person I ever talked to has the capability and has the capacity to go wherever they want to go. And if they can just be willing to tap into the unknown, like be more comfortable with, because the known is only going to create what it's already always created. Right. So the tapping into the unknown is where people discover the magic. And I watch people light up when they get there. So what is one obstacle that you see as a consistent obstacle that, um, that lead to self-sabotage or quitting or stopping from someone uh, accomplishing what they set out to accomplish? Um, the overall belief that if I do this, then I'll get this. So the belief that something is actually fixed, it's not a fixed equation. If I talk to this many people a day and I plug people in and I listen in on the calls and I do all the stuff, then my business is going to grow. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, um, it's almost like you're going, well, I'm just going to, it's like a cause and effect. If I do this, then I'll get this. And you may get this. And it may take you longer to get this. I don't know what the, your timing is around this. And then if you get frustrated because you're doing everything that everybody said, and then your energy sucks, people are going to notice that your energy sucks. I have, or yeah, if you're, yeah. That's a big one for me. I mean, like lately I haven't been on a lot of calls because I know my energy isn't right. And I don't want that to affect them. I can say the words, but if I'm not connected with the words that I'm saying, this is just my brain. However, when I do talk, like, then I feel better, which is kind of an ironic hyperbole, right? So it's like you're speaking it into, you're reminding yourself and you're shifting your brain chemistry while you're doing it um, because you're getting rid of, uh, as Dr. Amen would say, the ants, you know, the automatic right. negative thoughts that, that come in. Well, but and I, think I think what you're saying is there's no, the, the, it's not a static equation. There's nothing static. Not. Yeah. Listen, you, you can, you understand this. Like there's the, I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't know if it's, if it's called goal line, goal posts, Go something post. where goalposts, Go is that what it is? Yeah. Where you see these like overcoming to become stories and they're, you know, crazy stories and they're, they're highly charged and the music is playing and you, and you see these and they're inspirational and they're motivational and they're great. That's no question about it. But the truth of the matter is, and you know, this, you know, from playing competitive sports for every, you know, for, for the, the Kobe Bryant who stayed, you know, hours after practice and shot a thousand free throws when everybody went out for a beer, or went home or did whatever, right? There are hundreds of thousands of other people who went out and did the same thing that didn't make the big leagues, that right. didn't get there. So is it possible the overcome to become? Absolutely. Is it a guarantee? No, it's not. And I think that's where people, well, I was told if I do this and I do this, then I'll get this. And that that's where... There, there's that lack, as I referenced earlier, that's where there's a lack of magic. That's where there's a lack of wanting to do something different. There's a lack of wanting to believe that it's possible that you can achieve this by doing something you've never done before in a way that you've never done it. And I think that is what I, I would say I come up against and it's presented to me daily, weekly, monthly over the past five years of, you know, people caught up in that trap and they're not realizing that that the magic is in the unknown and there is magic inside of them but they have to get out of the the the, the structure of if i do this i do this then i'll get this we don't know 
And we don't, like I said, and we also don't know when, because everybody's timing is going to be different. There's things that all of us have to learn along the way. And until we learn them, we're not going to necessarily transform and transcend and get to that next level because the it's designed for us to learn before we, before we go. Right. Well, um, I know I took a lot out of, out of it. Uh, some of my notes, just to recap were, uh, you know, number one, be careful. Um, don't let anger and fear turn you against each other, uh, or turn you against the ones that you love and you care about. Um, you know, and be careful of, of that anger and fear or, the narrative that you're building for yourself, because that could allow you to spiral into what we call the drama triangle, which could create chemical addiction. And people don't even consciously realize that they're constantly seeking significance to rebuild that case because that's what's known for them. Right. And that's how they get it. Instead of letting go of that and going into the unknown, I wrote down that I want to make a shirt. Magic is in the unknown. It's time to prove it. Um, and I think that, you know, the biggest thing is like, just be careful of our thoughts or things, you know, Mitch gave you a couple things that he does when he realizes his thoughts are drifting, but thoughts are things. And so, uh, fear is a thought, you know, fear is a thing therefore, but it, since it's a thought, you can shift it, you can work with it, you can turn it into a strength or a power. Uh, so do something that scares you every day to realize that you can overcome to become, um, but there's nothing static. There's no guarantees in life except uh, taxes and death, as my dad used to always say. But um, but I did. I, I loved it when you said, I always say judgment, right? Like I always tell people, I have to remember to take off my black robe. Number one thing that all of us want to do, I think unconsciously, is, is judge others, right? Um, you know, and sometimes that judgment comes from a projection of ourselves. Other times it comes from either an insecurity or other things that we don't even know we're seeking. And so I, I remind myself all the time, don't put on your black robe, Brian, right? Is that unless you walk through someone else's shoes, you don't know what they're going through. And uh, something that I think is happening more and more today, you said this, and that is labeling and diagnosing others. And people feel like if they read this book, they're all of a sudden an expert um, and they have the authority to label or diagnose, you know, I think that any tools that you get, the number one person you should work on is yourself is this is just the things I've taken away from our conversation. And, um, and then remember, you know, don't act out of self-righteousness or don't take on as you're the moral authority. We all have something to learn. We're all humans. We're all going to make mistakes. And, um, there is no logic or rationale or probably love and self-righteousness, right? Like, uh, so uh, those are just things that I wrote down um, that I wanted to get out of my system. So anyway, appreciate it. Appreciate you.